your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 197 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller out in Canmore, and Timmy Stutzla is set for takeoff. Yes, off a broken hand, he's back with his teammates, but how active is he in drills? We'll fill you in on that, and when he heads to meet his world junior teammates, for training camp. Then staying in Germany, we have our friend of the show. It's part two with Christoph Schubert. Story time is more like it. In part one, you got to hear what he was up to in retirement and the German hockey system. But now we get back into the memory bank, including a couple classic stories about the Dominator. And then we head to the NCHC pod. Omaha puts up a 10 spot. It's a goalie sympathetic show today. And then we preview Nodak sends next game. It's a big one. It's number one seed, number two seed, Denver, UND, all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, December 4th, and Pilsy, only a week after we had Tim Stutzel on the show, the articles are pouring in media members talking to the young German stud. Yeah, I mean, you heard it here first on the Locked On Senators podcast, but yes, Timmy Stutzla is continuing to be on the right path of his recovery. We now know that he's been shooting pucks with his coach, Marcel Gotch, and that's really good. You can see he's starting to work on his hands. He's starting to work on his stick skills. So obviously that hand is right on track to be ready for the world juniors. And we know that he is doing everything he can to play for Team Germany at the world juniors this year. Yeah, so on December 6th, the Germans will all get together for a training camp, and it's basically bubble atmosphere there. You're going to the rink, you're going to the hotel. And next thing we find out after that is, will Tim Stutzla be named captain of the world junior team? He had a point per game last year, five assists. Pilsy, the hand's looking great. How many goals do you think he could get? Let's put the number of games at six. Yeah, I think when you look at Timmy Stutzla, knowing what we know now, and you see that uh, he had five assists in last year's tournament and no goals, it's really not that alarming because uh, me personally, I see Timmy Stutzla as more of a puck distributor and a playmaker. So I think he's going to continue to get assists. I'd probably give him an assist per game, at least six assists. And then you know that shot and uh, the skill that he has in a a year in the DEL under his belt, he's going to improve a lot. So I'd be surprised if he didn't score at all. So I'll give him two to three goals in this tournament, but six or seven or even eight assists. I wouldn't be that crazy, I think. Yeah, that ratio fits into his DEL, right? Only seven goals in 41 games, but yet he was still close to a point per game. So great to see Stutzla is back with his teammates, although he isn't participating in all drills yet. Hopefully by the end of the week, he'll be doing three-on-two drills and all that good stuff. So all good news on the front of the number three overall pick. Christmas cannot come soon enough so that you can see him on the ice for the first time with Germany, just like you got to see the fifth overall pick, Jake Sanderson, on the ice for the first time on Wednesday. And how great is it that on Friday, it is a rivalry matchup. It is, man, one of the underrated storylines, and we'll get to the full preview, though, is Shane Pinto versus Bobby Brink. If you know 
you know. But before we get to all that, let's focus on the game that already happened. A 10-2 drubbing by the Omaha Mavericks. But, man, you, you would think that Johnny Tyconic, maybe more than he had on the score sheet. Yeah, a little surprising. when you If you just quickly saw the score, saw 10-2 Omaha, Johnny Tyconic is probably their best offensive defenseman. You, you probably figure he's good for two or three points in this one. However, he only had this secondary assist, and that was on the very first goal. The rest of the game, he, he didn't really factor into any of the goals, but it was still, I thought it was a decent showing from Johnny Tyconic. I watched the whole game this time, and but it was it's frustrating though with a guy like Johnny Tyconic that it it felt for me like every time for every one good play he had he had two bad ones just trying to do too much with the puck in his own end like there was times where he's he's doing spinoramas in his own end and losing the puck when he could have just chipped it off the boards or tried to get a breakout pass bobbling passes and stuff like that but also he had a couple crisp taped tape passes that led to scoring chances and I thought he played decently defensively so I think overall Johnny Tyconic's really adjusted to this big big role he's going to have at Omaha I thought he played pretty well pretty well that's the fun that's it in a 10-2 game you're hoping your guys are playing a little better than pretty well no exactly and that's that's what I'm trying to say like he didn't make a lot of heavy mistakes but also he wasn't involved as you really think he should be he got power play time he was even on the PK which he talked about in the intermission interview that a big decision coming to Omaha was to play on special teams a lot power play and penalty kill but the penalty kill wasn't his best showing as uh, Puck bounced off his shin pad and went right out front. And uh, one of the Western Michigan guys buried it for one of their two goals. So you don't want to be on the ice for a goal against, even if it is shorthanded. But definitely, I think we're going to see a lot more from Johnny Tyconic going forward as he gets used to all this time on ice. But for now, it's an adjustment period. Yeah, that's a very fair thing to say about his game and only opportunity to get better. And what's beautiful about him making mistakes at Omaha versus at UND is he's going to be right back out there for his next shift. So lots of development ahead for the Senators' second-round pick in 2018. But Pilsy, I'm looking at this game. I'm seeing a lot of goals just go right through the Western Michigan goalie. And I'm feeling pretty sympathetic as a goalie-friendly show because – their starter was unavailable. And we've had so many college experts on this show in the past three days, and they've all echoed the same sentiment. This pro schedule needs a two-goalie system like you see in the NHL. And when a goalie goes down in the first game, the guy who started 34 out of 36 games last season for you, you're in trouble. And I think a 10-2 score pretty well shows you how much trouble Western Michigan Broncos are in here. But that's that's just the thing. Like a lot of these teams, they rely on on their program starting goaltender. It's it's very rare that you see anything close to a tandem style uh, goaltending scenario in college hockey. So when that number one guy goes down, and then your number two guy lets in six goals, and your number three guy lets in four, this is going to be a long, long tournament for the Broncos. Yeah, Western Michigan starting goal. His name is Brandon Bussey, and it is a lower body injury. So it's Austin Kane and Alex Aslanidis. And I probably butchered that name, but sorry, I don't know the third string goalie on Western Michigan's name by heart. What the hell? I, what, what I can tell you, Pilsy, we'll probably see him on Sunday because it's not no rest for the weary. They're playing the Nodak Sens on Sunday. So what do you think? If Omaha can put up a 10 spot on them, what do you think, 15, 20? I don't know if if they get another ten spot put on them. I think just maybe go home. You, yeah, maybe you just leave the pod and uh, prepare for next year. 
Yeah, you might need some practice time if that's the case. And when you're practicing, you need to stay energized. And that's why you should always have Built Go on you. It is the number one energy powder on the market. They're in easy to take. They're in one and a half ounces, these little packages. You can just fit them in your pocket. If you're going to the ODR, just throw them in your backpack. You can literally put it anywhere. In your briefcase, you got a nice meeting, just pull it out. Boom. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. Think of it like this. It's five-hour energy, but without that same crash feeling at the end, the worst part of the whole experience. Plus, this stuff's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking that monster drink, but it has a third of the caffeine, better results, probably better on your teeth too. It comes in three delicious flavors. It comes in peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, or you can get chocolate mint, which is my favorite. And this is how it works. So Built Go it combines energy gel with collagen protein. And I'm, I'm trying to learn what protein is. So collagen protein, you're really putting my brain in a pretzel. So I'll explain it for you because people much smarter than me have figured this out. Collagen protein is a fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my workday. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and as I mentioned, that kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks itself into high gear to keep me going strong. 10,000% of my B6 and B12, and that collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. So don't wait. Visit BuiltGo.com right now and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. That's how much they know you're going to love it. Just get your next order 30% off using the promo code LOCKED on BuiltGo.com. Let's go. So Pilsy, lots of talk about Tim Stutzla earlier in this show and in part one with Christoph Schubert, but in part two, we really opened up the storybook. Yeah. And you guys know I'm a big Dominic Kasich fan and to get, uh, some really, really interesting stories about Dominic Kasich. Like, I think a lot of sense people forget or maybe didn't even know that Dominic Kasich spent some time down in bingo. Like, that is just hilarious, thinking about the dominator, the greatest goalie to ever play the game down in bingo in the Mindsies, even if it was just for a week or two. I was going to say, what's the better town, Binghamton or, or Buffalo anyways? It's pro- probably a close call. No, no offense to either of those cities. Toss-up. We also got a great story from Christoph about his first NHL goal. So without further ado, here it is, part two of our chat with former Ottawa Senator Christoph Schubert. A lot of people are saying he's a third overall pick. Get him playing top-line minutes in the NHL right away. He's going to put up 80 points, and the expectations are th- are through the roof, right? And I think... I've been trying to calm people down and say, look, there's no rush to let him improve. Let him stay in Germany a little while. Let him play world juniors. And when he comes over and he's NHL ready, like you said, he's going to put a lot of smiles on a lot of people's faces with the dynamic offense skills he has. I want to ask you with what you've seen from Timmy at a pro level, do you think he projects better as a center or a left winger? I don't think it really matters to him because he, he reads this game so well and he's uh, such a good skater that uh, he can outskate a lot of demon. The, the puck protection he has, like the way he's going to skate towards the D and make him turn and this and that. And he, he really sometimes, you can see it, or a lot of times, he's always a step ahead. And that's something, that, that is something special. 
And I think he has that. He can read the game really, really well. He can really pass the puck, and he is a great shot. So give him that. Let him be, let him play hockey. You know what I mean? But I just want to get into what you just said. What if he doesn't make 80 points in the first year? Are we going to talk about oh, Ottawa is the worst team ever again? No, they're on, a, they're on a rebuild. A rebuild takes longer than a year. Takes long, maybe sometimes longer than three years. Maybe it takes five years. But you can see the improvement. You can see we have Thomas Shabbat back there. You have so many guys. They, they showed already they can play in this league. They have an NHL All-Star right there. So well, how old is he? 23? Yeah, he is. So give him the time and let them build, get together as a group over maybe the next three, four years all together. They all have deals. And then we will talk again in five years and then we will see where Ottawa is. And the beauty is that you're seeing the improvement already in the farm team in Belleville. Yeah. You got to play, though, in Binghamton, the smallest ice rink in North America at the very least. And you played there in some unbelievable years, including the lockout. We spoke to you last time we had you on. How cool was that? Like, you look up and down that roster, there was like a dozen or more NHLers on that team. That was unbelievable. Like, like you just said, that was the smallest ice rink in, in the world. So you knew every time the puckers get dumped in, you're going to get crushed big time. So... I got used to it and I, I love it. So, you know, it's part of the game and I have no issues that somebody's going to crush me or whatever because at some point he's going to get it back. And I always, uh, it's a physical game. I know the game, game's changed over the last 10 years and the boys are getting smaller, getting thinner, getting faster. But back in the day when I played, we were still big and fast. So I was good doing that. And, uh, it was tough sometimes. It was tough every weekend, back-to-back -back games in Binghamton sometimes. You felt your body afterwards, that's for sure. Yeah, and speaking of tough and physical and opponents that would be feeling their bodies after, what was it like watching Chris Neal run around in, in Binghamton? Like, he had already that, played like three NHL seasons. Yeah, he was, he was well ready to come down to the minor league and just hammer guys. No, it was perfect for him. I think back then, we really had a team, like in the regular season, I think we were first place, and then we played the first year, uh, first playoff round against uh, Wilkesbury back in the day with uh, Flurry and Ned, Ryan Whitney, and go, go for it. So the whole league was such an unbelievable league. We shouldn't have lost that round. We were up to nothing, and we lost four straight. Oh. So that was kind of a bummer right there, but no... Kneeler, um, I think it doesn't matter which rink you're going to put him in. He always did his job, and he's a physical player, not just fighting-wise, because he was, he was a really good hockey player. And uh, it was good to see how the transfer, transformation he did was like not just being a fighter, but being a hockey player, too. I know one year, I think uh, he was <clears throat> now a power play unit, and they put him in front of the net. Well, you got to push him around first. And I don't know, he scored. This he almost had 20 goals. Thank you. Yeah, it's well, crazy. But he really made that adjustment. So, like I said, Nilo really deserved everything he, he did for the, for the city and for, for the team and everything because he was such a hard worker and uh, chapeau, whatever he did. Yeah, and I want to transfer from 
uh, Chris Neal to Chris Phillips, kind of the two lifelong senators, your old former teammate. You mentioned last time you were on with us that he helped you when you came over, showing yep. you around the city of Ottawa. And now he has his number hanging in the rafters. How nice was that to see him be honored like that? Yeah, I think there's nothing better you can get for him because he's, he's such, a, such a family person, not just for his own family, but even for the guys at the rink. Uh, in the dressing room <clears throat> and like I said before uh, he really helped me and uh, that really showed me what kind of character this team had even in the dressing room and uh, this is something what's if you have that and you have this uh, this team closeness not just inside the rink at the dressing room and even outside that really shows how people care about each other this is uh why I wanted to call Timmy up and say, listen, if you need anything, I know a lot of people. I know I want to give you some tips if you want to maybe not always listen to your agent, but you want other people around you. Maybe they are from this town. They're going to show you, they'll tell you different stuff and whatever. I'm not talking about dinner or movie theaters. Or There's a lot of things in life. Obviously, you're on your own now. That's a big difference when you play in Europe. Yes, you have your parents, but if you play in Germany or in Europe, the, the team takes care of everything. You're going to get your apartment, this and that. Over there, you're on your own. So who am I going to talk to? Like, and those are the kind of stuff uh, when I'm going to talk to Timmy too. And uh, I wanted to give him a call after his draft. And I was like, I'll give him a couple of days. Then he got his uh, injury. And I said, like, okay, I'll leave him alone. And, but uh, I will give him a shout in the next couple of days and try to help him who he should call to help himself to get settled in. Yeah, that's great. And it'll be great for Timmy to have uh, a fellow German who's been in Ottawa and been through the scenario he's been. One last question for me, Shuby. Are you keeping up with uh, any of your old teammates? Are there any guys uh, from your Ottawa Senators days that uh, you still are close with? It is tough. But the, the good thing is if when you talk about people that worked in sport, let's say, even if you don't talk every day, even if you just see each other maybe every three, four years, there's always going to be the connection right away. So it's not like, well, why haven't you called me? Because one of my really close ones was always uh, Andre Mizaros. He just had a couple months his birthday, so I texted him and he texted me right back. So it's tough on the other hand, but it's easy on the other hand to say okay if you have facebook give instagram you can follow these guys you see what they're up to and yes I, even the big earn i follow him to see him i'm really happy and glad how he's doing with his family now and those are, even just see sometimes a picture when he's with his son skiing the other day that really puts a big smile on my face because i really i was really close with him over almost seven years i think we played together and uh, so, no, we don't talk every day, but it's nice to see how everybody's doing. How cool was it to see that Austin Watson, who went through a similar path, is honoring Brian McGratton by wearing his number 16? I thought that was so cool. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's a really nice gesture from them. Yeah, so we can expect Tim Stutzler to pick number five? <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I do. My last question is about your career, though. And it's coming up. The 15-year anniversary was actually last week of your first NHL goal. Do you remember the goalie who you scored it on? Martin Gerba. Yeah, who ended up being your teammate the next yeah. year. I, I'm sure he heard about that once or twice. Well, he got a good one in there because you remember the goal? 
I don't. No, think so. I, I I haven't seen it, but I, I, hey, give us the play by play. That was okay. Sad story. First, Chris, I wasn't I, I wasn't supposed to play that game. It was in Carolina. Chris Neal had to fly home because his mom got sick, and then it was one of the first games I played forward. In I was going to say because the, the two assists are your buddy Mazaros. And Brian Pothier. I was like, hey, we can't have three defensemen out. It was my first game playing forward. And then uh, the funny part is my first shift, I had a two-and-one. My second shift, I had a three-and-one. We almost hit the post. My third shift, I scored behind the goal line out of the corner. <laughs> so the puck went to, uh, to Messi, went over to Brian. Brian took a shot. Puck ended up in the corner. And I went, and I wanted to throw it in front of the net. I hit Gerbs in the skate and went in. So... <laughs> I love it. Hey, you made quick work. Six minutes of ice time and a goal and a two-on-one and another one. Hey, that was part for the course and the team back then. That win put you guys at 16-3 and three on the season through 19 games. Like, What was it like just knowing every night you guys had a very good chance to win? Yeah, how much better can it get? It can't. No, they, this is why we had such a great chemistry inside the team too because obviously we, we knew how good we could be. On the other hand, we had a great coaching staff who really pushed us to be focused for every game. But now it was up to us to really show it that we are one of the better teams and we want to win games. Everybody was on the same page. And that was something, it doesn't matter if you play 20 minutes or maybe just five. You know what? Everybody was sticking up for the other one and there was nobody bitching about it afterwards anything the chemistry inside that dressing room was unbelievable and that's why we had such a good run okay last question for me we're, we're always a goalie friendly show and when you came up to ottawa you played with the best goalie in nhl history we know goalies can be weird but do you have any memories of dominic hasek either in practice or in the locker room yeah two dom went down to binghamton i think the training what? camp or something down there once and uh no, there was something I've never seen before. <laughs> Dom went to Binghamton. I don't know, maybe it was an exhibition game or something, whatever. We had practice, and then like, you have to stall. And the dressing room was brand new, so obviously they have enough hangers. Dom just put his stuff up, put it on the floor in front of him, went to the trainer. I was like, here's 100 bucks. I don't know how you want to put it up. Before I mess it up, you do it. And I was like, really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay. I was like, okay, good. And then there was another one we had start training camp. We were up in Ottawa then, and uh, Ray Emery was on the other side. And I was taking a couple clappers down on him and because I knew Razor liked it. And with Dom, I was like, oh, I don't know this guy if he wants to be shots too hard or whatever in practice. And then he came up to me and I was like, should we be honest? see are you kidding me i said what i said i see how you shoot on razor then why don't you shoot like that on me i was like well i don't want to hurt you well i don't know like you're pretty special he's like yeah well i know i don't get any better if you don't if you shoot like half speed on me i was like okay good perfect first shot down i don't know what we did and i hit him right up here and i was like great well he came i uh, I went over, I want to apologize. He's like, oh, no, shoot, that was, that was perfect. He loves it. He loved it. If you want to score, you got to shoot there. I, I was just too lazy to go downstairs. I was like, oh, jeez, okay, here we go. I was like, perfect. 
So. Yeah, that's hilarious. Maybe after uh, that shot, Dominic uh, paid the equipment manager a hundred bucks to tie your skates together or something after that to get get back. But what I want to ask, Dominic Hasek's my favorite all-time player. So now that we're on the topic, I want to ask, what was that dynamic like between Dominic Hasek and Ray Emery? Like, as, as two goalies together, I feel like usually you have to find some similarities, but I don't think you could pick two goalies in the league that were more different at the time than Dominic Hasek and Ray Emery. Yeah, you're right on that. But, you know, they were completely different, but they got along. They, they found a way to respect each other and work with each other. So and this is something... Uh, that's that's not easy because both obviously both are unbelievable goaltender and both want to be number one. But on the other hand, Ray came up too, and you know he had his games and he was successful. Dom got hurt and this and that, but in the end, they they never backstabbed the other guy. They were always confronting each other. Everything was cool. They worked together. And they're both accepted everything what Brian or back in the day said who's going to play and there was like I said no well what I know there was no bitching afterwards yeah well it kind of makes sense because Ray Emery growing up in Cayuga near Buffalo he probably got to watch Dominic Hasek growing up and that lends to a lot of respect as well we have a ton of respect for you Christoph we really appreciate you coming on with us and now you're a recurring guest so now you got to come back whenever we ask so we're already looking forward to the next chat Christoph thanks a lot for coming my number. on the show <laughs> thanks for having me hope you enjoyed that chat with former Ottawa Senator Christoph Schubert a now friend of the show indeed Hilsey Friday night the, they couldn't have picked a better matchup in the NCHC pod it's number one UND it's number two Denver handicap the game for us this is going to be one heck of a game. Like anytime you get these two powerhouses of teams, division rivals going up against each other, it's going to be good. And you, you teased it a little earlier before the big story here, I think for, at least for me is getting to see Shane Pinto go up against Bobby Brink. Like admittedly, I was, I thought the Senators should have went with either Arthur Kaliev or Bobby Brink. They went the other route with Pinto and it's all working out now. And I couldn't be happier for the choice that the and scouting staff chose there because Shane Bean Pinto already two assists in his first game. Only two goals were scored and he helped on both of them. So that's a good sign going forward here. Yeah, it certainly is. And then you look at it from another point of view and you say, okay, Denver's going to be a motivated bunch because they absolutely dominated Minnesota Duluth in the second period of their game. I believe the shots were like 18 to one in the second period and they went on a spree they had 10 and a half minutes to start the second period where they didn't give up a shot on goal they go into the third period up one nothing and then they go down on a pk boom goal against 48 seconds later another goal against they lose their opening game tough start to the schedule for denver too eh? playing minnesota duluth and then nodak back to back hey you got your work cut out for you real early and there's nothing wrong with that that way you don't uh you don't settle. You don't play to your competition level, right? You just get going at it right away. And uh, you, this University of Denver team has some studs too, like Carter Savoie. That's another good player that went in this year's draft that is going to really contribute for that Denver Pioneers team. And I'm excited for this game because I haven't got to see a lot of uh, college hockey. Now we're finally getting to see two of the top teams go head-to-head this early in in the pod here. Let's go. 
Yeah, Carter Savoie had the only goal for Denver. and He's an Edmonton kid drafted by the Oilers. Another player to watch for on Denver. Also a freshman, also an NHL draft pick, Michael Benning. And turns out that Michael Benning and Carter Savoie have been best friends since they were eight. So kind of a similar story to Tyconic and Bernard Docker, although Tyconic had to go somewhere else to get his minutes at the NCAA level, whereas those two guys already in the lineup as freshmen. But Denver also has a lot of experience coming back too, and they've got a sick tendy as well. So the two the two goalies can be a great matchup because Adam Scheele and the UND net, like I didn't realize how good he was at the first half of last season. He ended up losing his job to Peter Tomey in the second half, but he started the year 14-1-2 and two with a 9.27 save percentage. So if he can continue, I mean, a shutout in your first game in the pod, got to be feeling good. Yeah, and maybe a lot of people are looking at that shutout like, oh, as a weaker team, uh, UND really dominated them on the shot, shot clock. But he had to make a lot of good saves up against Miami. Like, there was times where they had some good chances and he was sharp. And that's tough to do when you're not getting a lot of shots. Like, it's you can get a little rusty, you get a little cold, you're out of the game, you get a little tense, and then you, you have some opponents coming down and you get a little nervous you're not in the game you're not in your groove but he was making sure that he was sharp when he had to be and that's what led to a two nothing win for und to kick this thing off it's gonna be awesome to watch and i can't wait to break it down with you on saturday where we also have our send central citizen and a whole lot more but for today we say goodbye hope you enjoyed christoph schubert for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team Every day.